This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News, Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. A $40 billion package of U.S. Taxpayer money has now been approved by the U.S. Senate to go to the country of Ukraine. Alabama's two senators voted on that package. Senator Richard Shelby joined 39 other Republicans in voting to pass it. Senator Tommy Tuberville joined 10 other GOP senators in voting against the financial aid. Tuberville was joined by Tennessee Senators Marsha Blackburn and Bill Haggerty, as well as Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. Paul was able to delay the passage of that bill for a few days. He was seeking to add an amendment that would have placed government oversight on how that money is allocated and spent. That amendment did not get passed, even though the bill did. On the Senate floor, Senator Paul lamented the fact that the U.S. would have to borrow this money from China in order to send it over to Ukraine, since the U.S. is already in deficit spending. When it comes to the Biden amendment being presented for a vote This weekend at the World Health Organization, two of Alabama's congressmen have acknowledged that they are aware and reading the language of this particular amendment. The offices of Senator Tommy Tuberville and Congressman Gary Palmer have received calls of late from concerned voters about the nature of this amendment, which would give more control of the WHO when it comes to health decisions here in the U.S. in the event of another virus outbreak. Earlier this week, the Daily Detail reported on at least two doctors who have been sounding the alarm on this amendment that's offered by the Biden administration. Those doctors were Peter Bregan and Robert Malone. When it comes to politics and primaries, here is a third part of a conversation that I had with former state legislator Scott Beeson. Beeson served in the Alabama House for two terms and then the Alabama Senate for two more. Beeson talked about how important it is to vote at a primary level where you're choosing particular candidates based off of their principles and values rather than waiting until November to choose from the ballot a party candidate who has already been chosen by other people. A lot of times people will turn out to vote in election years because the president is running, but they just don't bother as much in the, in the off years. They see the, the, what would you call it, the big stage, the mm-hmm. national, and that's mm-hmm. what motivates them to come out, but they don't understand. I feel like a lot of people don't understand because it took me a while to understand it, is that if you really want uh, a candidate who is an agent of change in the way that you want them to go, right. where you've got a where the rubber meets the road is at the primary level. Oh, absolutely. Yes. When we were trying to take over, it was funny. There were parallel tracks uh, back when I was in the legislature. One was the effort to take over the legislature for Republicans. But inside the Republican Party, there were those of us who were saying, okay, we want to take over for Republicans, but we also need to have conservative Republicans, legitimate Republicans. And I do think the people of the state kind of let that get away from us. I mean, maybe I'm responsible as well, but we ended up electing a lot of Republicans all at once, but not a lot of conservative Republicans. And a lot of people run as Republicans, and they like people to think they're conservative. I, th- I think a great example is, and I'm not out to run anybody down, but find me more than, okay, if you take out the establishment in Montgomery, find me more than two or 300 people in the whole state of Alabama that knew KIV was for a gas tax because she basically said, vote for me, I'm the Republican. And people said, oh, well, the Republican, lower taxes, smaller government. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm for the Republican. Well, th- those voters were for the right thing, 
But she let them think that she was for all the things that Republicans are. Does that make sense? Right. Just by kind of a, a surface label is all they went by. And yes. you don't get down uh, into the details. There were times that I would be in arguments with legislators when I was there. I'd say, how are you voting for this tax? And they would say, well, I never said I was against taxes when I ran. I said, you ran as a Republican. The people who voted for you thought you were against taxes. They thought that's what Republicans were, smaller government, personal responsibility. You let them believe it by running as a Republican. Don't give me this whole thing of, well, I never said. There is, I mean, and I think a lot of Republicans are getting away with that over the last few years with that whole, I never said kind of thing. So, so we need to ask better questions, too. Remember, primary voting gets underway for Alabama next week on Tuesday, May 24th. There are some mothers in the state of Alabama who are taking action when it comes to the shortage of baby formula that has been occurring across the nation. The Mother's Milk Bank of Alabama is asking for breastfeeding mothers to donate their milk. The, the mothers will be screened at first, and the organization will proceed with collecting, pasteurizing, and then distributing the milk to infants in need. 1819 News reporter Lauren Walsh has done an extensive report on this issue, which can be found at 1819news.com. In national news, a report from the Department of Homeland Security has investigators looking into threats at the U.S. Supreme Court building. The social media threats came from those who are pro-abortion and are upset at the possibility of Roe v. Wade being overturned by five justices when they issue the ruling they've made on a Mississippi case. The threats are not just to storm the building, but to burn it down and even murder the justices and law clerks who were involved in the ruling against Roe v. Wade. The social media posts also suggested attacks on places of worship and pro-life clinics. The DHS regional hub for the capital region has been tracking at least 25 violent online posts. The governors in neighboring states to Washington, D.C., Glenn Youngkin of Virginia and Larry Hogan of Maryland, have both urged the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland to ensure protection of the justices at both the U.S. Supreme Court building as well as their residential homes. There's been a trial going on all this week that involves special counsel John Durham and lawyer Michael Sussman. Sussman is the former attorney from within the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign. Durham has been tasked with investigating the whole premise for the reason the FBI spied and surveilled Donald Trump before and after he became president in the White House. In particular, regarding the Russia collusion hoax that was launched during the 2016 campaign for the presidency. Sussman is facing charges for lying to the FBI about his meeting with one of their lawyers, James Baker, in which he was going to discuss the Steele dossier, which has been proven to be manufactured information against Trump. This week, James Baker was called to take the stand in this trial. During some of the questioning, Baker admitted to not turning over critical pieces of evidence to the special counsel. And when he was asked about it, Baker responded that it's Durham's job since it's Durham's investigation, not his. Recently, a group of doctors held a COVID summit. Those same doctors are now talking about more emerging data on the effects of the COVID-19 vaccine. Dr. Robert Malone is the inventor of the mRNA delivery system. He has also taken the COVID-19 vaccine, but since then has now said he regrets doing so. Malone spoke on the High Wire podcast with Dell Bigtree. It's becoming more and more clear as the data are rolling in. Remember, we're still just, what, a year and a half after rollout of these mm -hmm. vaccines, okay? Normally, it's, you know, three years after finishing the phase three before we go to licensure. We've rushed all this stuff out, 
and the data are coming in stronger and stronger that these are causing subclinical myocarditis may be occurring in the majority of vaccine recipients if you test the right enzymes, okay? Wow. That's a big one, yeah. okay? Um, clinical myocarditis in boys in the Hong Kong study is a huge number. It's something like one in 2,000, one in 3,000 boys have to go to the hospital <laughs> after the, typically their second dose. Then we have these data coming in that the myocarditis um, signal is cumulative. So if you take one dose, you have a lower risk. Two doses, it's higher. Three doses, it's still higher. So you have cumulative cardiotoxicity. I mean, dose dependency tends to be, isn't that one of the major... <laughs> marks of pharmacology and toxicology? Like if there's a red absolutely. flag, it's the fact that it's it's dose dependency should be firing that off. It's usually considered to be proof. Dr. Ryan Cole is also a pathologist. He founded a large independent clinical laboratory in the state of Idaho. Dr. Cole also spoke on the podcast about the lipid nanoparticles in the vaccines and the effects that they're having. As a pathologist, we are the red flag warning. We're the quality control of medicine. We're the first ones to see that change in pattern. That lipid nanoparticle in and of itself is inflammatory. It does go everywhere. It was originally designed to take uh, mRNA and or chemotherapeutic agents to organs that are hard to get to, like the brain. If you look at the qualifications on the lipid nanoparticles, they're not for human use. They're for research use only, and yet they've broadly pushed these onto society. We see inflammation from the lipid nanoparticles alone, but we also see that they carry that mRNA particle with them to wherever, wherever they land. We're seeing mitochondrial damage in neural tissues. Studies out of Poland showed that, Dr. Clough et al. Um, we are seeing suppression of the immune system. This lipid nanoparticle, this mRNA, making a spike protein, is getting into the immune cells, damaging uh, DNA repair mechanisms. What does that look like under the microscope? A decrease of the kind of inflammatory cells you want eating away at a cancer. Now we don't have enough of those cells there to the point I brought up over a year ago. Are we seeing an uptick in cancers? Yes. Why? The lipid nanoparticle, the mRNA, and the spike that it makes is suppressing our immune system. And now we're seeing turbo cancers, wildfire cancers, that would otherwise be kept in check by a competent immune system. A drug lord from Mexico has been extradited to the U.S. for trial. Mario Guillen is also known as Senor Gordo. He's the former top leader of the Gulf Cartel. Senor Gordo is charged with running drugs from the coast to Houston, Texas. He was arrested in 2012 and was sentenced to prison until 2032 in Mexico. But back in 2019, a Mexican judge authorized his extradition to the U.S. And when it comes to drugs, a group of Custom and Border Protection agents in Detroit, Michigan, seized over 2,000 pounds of marijuana. Those drugs were brought across the border in the disguise of foam pool toys. The agents did an x-ray scan of an inbound tractor trailer and found those items to be suspicious. They then made a physical exam by a canine unit, and that's when the drugs were discovered. The facility where the inspection happened is about a mile from the U.S.-Canadian border.
Well, before we head into Saturday and Sunday, let's end this week of stories with a positive and fun story. Did you hear about the couple in Polk County, Georgia, who own three dogs of their own? Jimmy and Julie Johnson say that they are used to having at least one dog sleep in the bed with them, but recently they woke up in the morning to find a dog in their bed that did not belong to them. Julie and Jimmy were baffled as to how a dog, a strange dog, got into their own house in the first place and past the other three dogs who never once barked at it and then into their bed for the night. A picture of the dog lounging quite comfortably on their bed pillows was then posted to Facebook and within a few hours they got a response as to whose dog it was. The dog Nala had gotten out of her collar and away from her owner's home just down the street the night before. A thunderstorm then rolled in that night and seemed to have scared the dog enough to seek shelter, but not just any shelter, a comfy and cozy shelter. The Johnsons say that Nala is very sweet and they are now friends with the neighbor. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. Be sure and check out the 1819 News podcast as Brian Dawson and Ray Mellick Sit down and talk to K. Carl Smith. You know what I found to be very interesting when you talk with somebody on the left? They never heard, I'm talking about the young people today, even some older folks that I've dealt with, who've been embraced this whole leftist ideology. They never heard the liberty message based on the writings of Frederick Douglass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's different when you hear the message of a former slave yes. talking about his admiration for the Constitution, the founding fathers, the, all these Tenets of liberty, free speech, personal responsibility. When a slave, when a former slave articulates those tenets of liberty versus someone else you can play the race card on, like some of the founders who own slaves, that's what the left do. They play the race card on that, but don't work with Douglas because Douglas was a slave. He didn't yeah. own any slaves. Yeah. So, but when you share with them what Doug said about free speech and what Doug said about personal responsibility, role of government, they, how, how can you argue with a runaway slave? Yeah. Absolutely. That's why we got to leverage it. And another thing that happened too is like Martin Luther King's been hijacked by the left, mm-hmm. right? So you really look at his message and he was like, no, I believe the constitution. I believe the declaration of independence. All men should be free. Like this is a great document. If, if y'all could live up to your document, we'd be, we'd be, you know, great. That's right. Yeah. And, and anyway, so my old boss, Lee Habib does a whole piece on basically how Martin Luther King's been hijacked. And if you really get back to a lot of the things and he is, he's not perfect by no means right, is he right. perfect. However, um, you see kind of that, the the people that seem to have done the most in that space had a really high view of our founding documents because they saw that, no, that, this actually is the ticket. Exactly right. And uh, Dr. K- Dr. King, Reverend King, was a student of Douglas. Yeah. Because Douglas talked about it. Douglas said, it said, just live up to what's in the Constitution yeah. and yep. apply it fairly. Yep. Yeah. That's the problem. So Douglas yeah. said, Douglas said, the problem is not with the Constitution. The problem is in the application of the Constitution. Yeah. And that's what we're dealing with. You can find more of that podcast on 1819news.com under the podcast tab. I'm Andrea Tice. You will hear from me again on Monday. Until then, have a wonderful weekend. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 